Shalom, and welcome to Parsha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Avram Fisher, and this week's Parsha is Mishpatim. Mishpatim means laws, it means judgments, and <clears throat> this Parsha, uh, in a sense, is a continuation of the Aseret Dibrot, of the Decalogue, uh, in that uh, we've already established that there is uh, a system of laws and values that the Torah uh, is teaching, and uh, this is a continuation of many of the ideas, many of the laws that were uh, stated there in the Aseret Tadibrot. This this uh, parasha therefore uh, contains actually very large number of mitzvot, uh, and uh, what we will try to do is show how the uh, mitzvot are, uh, when when possible, uh, to to say so, where they are kind of grouped together uh, under different uh, rubrics. So uh, this whole first part of the parasha uh, the, are these laws, are these mitzvot. Uh, the first section deals with the case of a Hebrew slave, uh, male ma- slave and uh, maidservant. In other words, if a uh, fellow Jew uh, is sold as a slave, how to treat that person? Uh, first of all, uh, his servitude is limited to six years. Uh, it's possible for him to uh, marry a, uh, a non-Jewish slave if that is given to him by his master. Um, and he serves out his six uh, years. The Torah also, however, deals with the case of a slave who finds slavery uh, very uh, very easy or very comfortable uh, and refuses to leave. So the Torah talks there about uh, piercing his ear and uh, he remains a slave uh, until the Yovel, which happens on every 50 years. Uh, there are special rules that apply to a female, um, to a maidservant. Uh, among those are that she's never resold, um, and if she is, uh, if she is to be uh, married uh, to the master or to the uh, master's son, uh, then she has to be treated the same as any other married woman. Namely, she has to be provided as regularly with um, food, clothing, and marital relations. And then, um, if uh, if it turns out that it doesn't work out in uh, this relationship, then uh, as with any other marriage, uh, it has to be uh, it ends in divorce. Um, no other way. She's not to be resold. Uh, then the Torah deals with uh, the case of uh, murderers. Uh, there is intentional murder, uh, the punishment for which is execution, and then is unintentional murder. Uh, for which a person uh, is provided with a place to take refuge, a city of refuge, uh, where he will at the same time be uh, safe from the family um, who might want to seek out revenge, even though it was an unintentional murder. Uh, and also, he is this, uh, this isolation affords him a kind of a kapara, uh, atonement for what he has, uh, what he has done. It still requires uh, atonement. Then the Torah deals with uh, certain other types of capital punish, uh, capital offenses 
but f- uh, for crimes that do not result in, in death. Uh, one has to do with uh, striking parents. This is uh, prohibited, and, but, and it is a capital offense. Uh, kidnapping, also a capital offense, and cursing parents. So the Torah um, puts those uh, together because they all are capital offenses, but the crimes do not result in, uh, in death. Then the Torah deals, in a, a very broad sense, with the uh, topic of damage. Uh, what is the level of liability, responsibility that a person has uh, when he uh, causes damage to uh, someone else? So the first group uh, deals with damage that's caused to uh, persons. And uh, there is a different distinction drawn between a free person and a slave. A free person... Um, who has been damaged. Uh, so the, among the compensation uh, that that person receives, there are other compensations, but here the Torah uh, mentions uh, that the one responsible for the damage is liable for loss of income uh, as well as medical course, costs. Um, the Torah also deals with the case of damage caused to a slave who's being beaten by his master. Now, he shouldn't be beaten to the point of death, but if it happens that he dies, uh, then uh, there, is, uh, there is execution for the uh, person who is uh, guilty of uh, causing the slave's death. Uh, if not, then um, if the slave uh, survives, um, then there's no such thing... He, the uh, person who beat him is exempt for any, from any kind of compensation because it would, uh, it's part of the uh, sometimes necessary way of dealing with a slave, and that is to use uh, corporal punishment. Uh, continuing the subject of damage caused to, uh, to persons is the case of a woman uh, who loses, um, loses her child because she is, um, uh, she's injured, uh, in a uh, uh, in a fight that actually is going on between two people, uh, so the Torah talks about monetary compensation uh, for the damage caused to her, as well as the uh, loss of her child. Um, if, however, the woman dies, then of course uh, there needs to be punishment uh, in accordance with uh, the, the laws of murder. Was it intentional? Was it premeditated? And so on. Continuing the subject of damage to persons, the Torah also talks about a slave who sustains the loss of an eye or a tooth um, is is set free. So we're talking about a non-Jewish slave um, is is freed by by, uh, by this because a, um, a Jewish slave is freed uh, after five after uh, six years. Then there's a section of the parasha that talks about damage that is caused by property. In other words, if something that belongs to me causes damage, uh, then what is my liability? First examples have to do with an animal. I own an animal, an ox is a classic example, uh, and it it gores, uh, causing death to a free person. So the animal is stoned, the meat is forbidden. If um, it's an ox that has gored before, so you do the same things. Stoning in the meat is forbidden, uh, but the uh, but the owner is uh, liable, and uh, the court can impose uh, a payment. 
Uh, if a go- ox scores a non-Jewish slave, then uh, there is uh, monetary compensation to the owner of the slave, 30 pieces of silver. Uh, then another kind of damage is damage caused by a pit, where somebody uh, digs a pit and uh, does not cover it properly and then causes damage to an animal. Uh, then there is compensation. And finally, if one ox causes damage to another ox, in other words, one animal uh, harming another animal, then there is a payment of half. Uh, <clears throat> then there is a section in our parasha that deals with uh, theft. Uh, this is another kind of damage in a sense, uh, but it uh, deserves a special uh, separate treatment. Uh, <clears throat> so, if... Uh, that which is stolen is an ox or a sheep, and the animal is subsequently sold or slaughtered, so the person who stole it is liable to pay five times the value of the ox and four times the value of the sheep. This is a high uh, fine that is imposed on him <clears throat> because of what he did. And uh, just to remind you, this might be a situation where a, a Jew is sold into slavery. If he is not able to pay what he owes, then he is sold into slavery. Then there's a case of a thief breaking in. A person who's breaking into a uh, uh, into a home uh, and he's caught while he's breaking in. So the Torah says that if he is killed, uh, the person who kills him is innocent, uh, and that is because the uh, assumption is that the thief is prepared to kill. Uh, if he is discovered. So that means he poses a threat, and therefore the uh, owner is, permi- is uh, permitted, maybe even obligated, to preempt that by uh, killing the, the thief breaking in. Um, if the, the thief is found, uh, then he has to pay for the stolen item. That's the general rule. Uh, and if he cannot pay, then, uh, as we were saying, he's sold as a slave. Um, and uh, the punishment of a thief, um, not when it's an ox or sheep that has been sold or, or slaughtered, but in a general uh, sense, a thief pays double uh, the value of what he, uh, what he stole, stole. So there is, a, uh, there is a fine imposed on him. Um, then the Torah deals with damage that is caused by an animal, such as an ox, but unintentionally. Uh, such as by eating or walking, the animal has no intention to uh, to damage, uh, it's just walking along. Uh, so the Torah talks there, once again, about compensation. Uh, next, the Torah talks about damage that is caused by fire. Um, and there's a difference between a fire that is, uh, has been set and then spreads, uh, or a fire that is spontaneous. In both of those cases, the uh, it is necessary for the one responsible for the fire to pay compensation. Then there's a section about custodians. That is to say, uh, what we call in Hebrew a shomer, uh, when one person uh, asks another person to uh, look out for something, to take care of something. And there are differences between uh, an unpaid uh, custodian or a paid custodian uh, or a renter or a borrower, and then finally, uh, there are situations where the court will impose uh, 
a uh, an oath on the custodian uh, if he uh, denies, uh, then um, then it's necessary for him to swear that he did not tamper with the object, take it for himself. There is a discussion in the parasha uh, about uh, a seducer, someone who is uh, seduced, and what are the uh, ways of dealing with that. And then uh, the Torah proceeds to three other capital uh, offenses. Uh, these don't result in death, but they are very serious. Uh, one is the practice of sorcery, one is the practice of bestiality, and the other is uh, sacrificing to uh, idolatry. Uh, next is uh, some laws about care for the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. You have to watch out for them, you have to take special care of them. If they cry out to me, says God, I will avenge them. Then uh, we have the rules of the lender. Uh, somebody borrows money, uh, so there should be, uh, there may be no interest charge on um, for such a person, and if uh, a pledge has been taken, an object has been taken, let's say it's collateral, uh, something that the um, the borrower really, really needs, so it has to be returned to him every night. Uh, then there's the subject of honoring and sanctifying Hashem's name, uh, and under that we have such mitzvot as do not uh, blaspheme or curse a leader, uh, give the, your gifts to Hashem on time. This is talking about first fruit, about truma, uh, about firstborn. And uh, finally, in this section, uh, do not eat terefa, do not eat an animal that, although it's a kosher species, has died without proper shrita, without proper slaughtering. Uh, you are holier than that, uh, and therefore you should uh, practice self-control. Uh, with regard to uh, what you're going to eat. The uh, next section of the of the parasha um, deals with various uh, ways of righteousness and justice. These are uh, twin goals that the legal system of the Torah is striving to achieve. Righteousness and justice. Um, and this whole a collection of mitzvot that might be said to go under this title, such as do not accept Lashon Hara, somebody speaks ill of someone else, uh, uh, perhaps you want to be careful uh, with regard to that person, but do not accept it. Um, and uh, if you have the ability not to even hear it, that's best, and if you do hear it, uh, kind of against your will, then uh, at the very least make up in your mind that you don't believe it's true. There are such laws as false, how to deal with false testimony, majority decision. Uh, then, uh, with mitzvah of favoring, uh, with regard to favoring the poor in judgment, we have to be kind to the poor, but if the poor person comes before you in judgment, then you have to treat him uh, fairly, not uh, showing special treatment. Uh, mitzvot like returning lost items, uh, helping uh, someone who is uh, who has a uh, who's an animal, uh, and the animal is uh, struggling, so you uh, you help the animal. Um, 
the Torah reminds us to stay very far away from from uh, falsehood. Um, so it's not only uh, do not perjure yourself, do not lie, but do not act in such a way that uh, it seems as though you're believing, you're saying something that you know is not true. Uh, the laws of bribes, and finally, you know what it is like to be a stranger, because you were a stranger in Egypt. Then there is a section on what we might call holy times, special times during the course of the year. Uh, Shemitah, the seventh year, and what happens during the seventh year. Uh, Shabbat, which happens every week, what happens on Shabbat. The three pilgrimage festivals, that's Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. So at those times, these coincide with agricultural times, with certain events in the uh, agricultural cycle. Uh, and the Torah says here that uh, one must make a pilgrimage to um, to the Beit HaMikdash um, the, at these times, Pesach, Shavuot, and uh, Sukkot. Then there are laws about chametz, which have to, have to do with Passover, with Pesach. Uh, the fru- first fruits, uh, the f- first fruits are the first ripening example of each fruit that uh, grows on your property. So you make a big basket. Uh, when you have the, those that are first fruit, you, uh, you pick them appropriately and you set them aside, and they are brought to uh, to Jerusalem to be eaten there. And this section uh, concludes. With um, with the familiar prohibition, do not uh, mix meat and milk. Uh, according to the Torah, that means one is not permitted to cook meat and milk. Uh, one is not permitted to eat eat milk that have been cooked together, and one is not, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, allowed to have uh, to have any benefit from that meat-milk cooked combination. Uh, at the conclusion of this whole section, the Torah talks about the consequences of obeying these laws, how Hashem will look out for you, and Hashem will protect you. Um, and, uh, and finally, uh, how Hashem provides His guidance and uh, protection. Uh, and uh, Hashem uh, promises once again that He will bring you to the land of Israel in security. And we are reminded to beware of alliances with the idolatrous nation, uh, nations that inhabit the land right now, because that could, uh, those alliances, uh, could lead to trouble. And the last part of the parasha, uh, we, uh, we talk about how the Bnei Yisrael were brought into the covenant, into the Brit. Uh, there is some discussion about when exactly this happened. Did this happen before um, Matan Torah or after uh, the revelation? There are different ways of reading it. Uh, but what happens is that Moshe ascends. Uh, Moshe tells people, the people, Hashem's instructions. Uh, and uh, this, we read about this before, in a sense. And the people said, we will do. We will do whatever Hashem says. Uh, Moshe writes, uh, Writes a, uh, a, it's called Sefer Abrit, the Book of uh, of the Covenant, um, and that's at least one way of reading it. Is the uh, the Torah from the beginning up until this point? He also builds an altar, erects twelve pillars, 
offers sacrifices, he reads from the Sefer Brit to the people so that they know what they're committing to, and uh, they say that we will do, and we will listen. Moshe sprinkles the blood of the covenant from the sacrifices onto the people. This is a way of bringing, him, bringing them uh, into the divine presence. Um, okay. Um, then there is a uh, divine manifestation. People see the presence of God. Uh, Moshe ascends the mountain for six days. And like I said, uh, there is a question as to whether this took place before or after the revelation. And uh, then comes the 70th, 70th day. Uh, so uh, Moshe uh, is, is uh, told about uh, going up to the mountain and receiving uh, the two tablets, uh, which will be, uh, which were engraved uh, by Hashem himself. Uh, and these, uh, and he will also receive the the actual uh, Torah, all of the laws that are to be given, and so the parasha ends with Moshe enters entering into the uh, the cloud of divine of the divine presence. Uh, for a further analysis, uh, I thought we'd talk about the the situation of a slave who opts to remain a slave. Um, uh, by saying, I love my master, my wife, my children, I don't want to go free. So his master takes him before the judges. He's brought to the door of the doorpost. His master pierces his ear with an awl and he remains a uh, slave. Well, it says forever, but uh, Chazal say that that means until uh, Yovel. Um, and uh, I thought we'd see a few points from the Kliakar uh, from, uh from Ephraim Lonshitz um, to explain uh, what is being done here. Uh, the Kliakar says that this person um, has chosen to be a slave. Now, he's not obligated to remain a slave. It's his decision. And he turns away his ear, so that's why his ear uh, be punished. He shouldn't want to be a slave. Uh, at Sinai he heard that uh, <clears throat> that the Jewish people are God's uh, servants. They shouldn't want to be a slave to another person. That's not an ideal situation. Um, but he requires another punishment, says the Kliakar, besides the slavery, because now that he's given the opportunity to go free, and he doesn't, it's apparent, uh, as it were after the fact, that uh, slavery wasn't a good punishment for him, because he, he wants to be uh, a slave. Uh, So how uh, how could he be punished, let's say, for the uh, stealing that originally got him into this position? Uh, and how can he be punished for uh, ignoring the fact that we are supposed to be God's uh, servants and not the servants of other people? So he says um, uh, that uh, the, the slave is brought to the doorpost uh, because after the six years of his slavery, the Torah opens the door to freedom to him, gives him the opportunity to go free. Um, and uh, But the problem is he does not want to go out. The door is wide open and he does not want to live. So he's like someone who's in prison and they give him an opportunity to, to leave and uh, he chooses to be a prisoner. And uh, this is very uh, typical of uh, the Kliakar. He chooses the illusory benefits that he has. In other words, the, the comforts that he has you know, I, 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 uh, 
have food, have a place to sleep, and so on and so forth. Um, those are the things that attract him and ignoring the fact that uh, he should want to be uh, free. Um, so therefore he is uh, he's punished at the doorpost, um, not only because God has opened the doorway to freedom, but also because on the doorpost we have the mezuzah. And in the mezuzah we have the mitzvah of loving Hashem. And he, this person, is saying, I want to stay a slave because I love my wife and my children. It means he, he loves uh, these illusory uh, benefits more than the, the, the true love that he should have for uh, Hashem. <clears throat> He's exchanged the love of God for the love of his maidservant wife. That's why he is pierced at the doorpost. Besides this, uh, says the Kliakar, um, he, uh, we, we have to Take the message uh, for all Jews um, who are who are blind, uh, as the Kliakar calls them, uh, because they go through all kinds of difficulties, slavery, suffering, and pain. We're talking about free people, but um, they, they they kill themselves uh, with work uh, in order to obtain something that is illusory and uh, and transient. Um, he sells himself as a slave. He claims he has to do this uh, for the sake of his wife and his children, but really he's not doing it for them. He's doing it for himself. Uh, so the um, uh, and he does not make any effort to to go free. So Kliakar uh, concludes this section with some words of Musser about how uh, uh, many of us, although we are uh, not slaves, but we make ourselves slaves uh, to a life that provides us uh, only uh, illusory. Uh, benefits, but not the real benefits. Something to something to think about. I thank you very much for joining me in this exploration of Parashat uh, Mishpatim. Uh, this has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights, saying Shalom.